Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Everybody, or whenever you're listening, this is Dr. Aviva with the next episode of Natural MD Radio. And I'm actually here rocking out to some of my favorite music. I've got my boy band mix on, which is The Clash, The English Beat, The Kinks, and a couple of other great boy bands. I just love rocking out, but I'm going to shut it right now and hang out with you. So rocking out to boy band music is actually one of my biggest decompressors. It's one of my favorite things to do. I get like some pretty good action going on there with the head bopping and banging and all that stuff. Not like banging into walls or anything, but it's one of my favorite things to do anytime. And you know what? It's really interesting because it's a great cortisol release. Studies show that doing things to move our bodies, listen to music, and then anytime we can decompress for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it actually resets our cortisol. What is cortisol? Well, it's one of the topics of what we're going to be talking about today. Cortisol is a hormone that's produced by two little glands that sit one on top of each of your kidneys called the adrenal glands. And they are sort of the dispatch station for the chemicals and hormones you need when your body goes into survival mode. Survival mode is a system of ancient reactions and cascades of chemicals that happen that create all these different actions in our body to protect us from all kinds of hazards that we are sort of evolutionarily programmed to respond to. So for example, when you get into a stressful situation, your fight or flight response gets kicked in. It's the same, it's kind of, that's the common name for what we call for the feelings that we get and the reactivity we get when this reaction gets kicked into place. So if you're in a stressful situation, your body gets taut and tense so you can spring or run away or pack a good punch or a good kick. Your blood pressure goes up to get lots and lots of blood flow to your brain and your blood goes to your muscles to fuel your muscles and you liberate a lot of extra sugar into your bloodstream for fuel so that you have the activity energy that you need to do whatever it is you need to preserve yourself. One of the ancient triggers of this biological mechanism that gets kicked into place is not enough fuel going to our brain. Your brain uses about 20% of all your calories even just when you're at rest. That's not rocket science. When you're doing rocket science, it uses up a whole lot more. And then in between there with our regular thinking that we have to do, depending on what kind of work we have, what our jobs are, how much problem solving we have to do, we use up more. Now, I was talking with my book agent yesterday, the wonderful Celeste Fine, who I did another episode about getting a second opinion. We did an episode together over some pregnancy challenges that she had and not just pregnancy challenges, but problems she had um, getting good, accurate, honest, fair information from the medical community. It's really made her a medical 
activist for pregnant women getting second opinions. And Celeste and I were talking about my next book, because this is what you do when you're an author. You've got one book about to be born. It's like being a woman who just loves kids, and you know, you're about to give birth to your first baby, and, and you're like thinking about when, when you're going to time the second one, right? And natural timing is important. We want to think about these things. So we were talking about what my next book would be, and Celeste said, what do you think one of the biggest things that women do wrong is for their health that they think they're doing right. And I said, wow, I think it's actually the idea that if we eat less, we're going to lose weight. And it seemed especially apropos for this time of year. It's January when I'm recording this. Whenever you're listening, this is completely relevant. But it's January. And what is what are so many women doing right now? They're either like trying desperately to three weeks into January to stick with their New Year's resolutions and falling off them and beating themselves up, or they're still on New Year's resolutions around their diets, which are often restrictive. And this is a huge phenomenon that I talk about in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which is getting born on January 31st. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can either pre-order it right now, actually, at avivaram.com forward slash book bonus, or get your free chapter at avivaram.com forward slash free chapter. Very exciting name there, but it, it, it says what it is, right? It's like a doorknob. It says what it is. Um, or you may already have your book, which in that case, thank you so much for ordering it. Or if it's after January 31st, you won't be pre-ordering it. You can actually walk into your bookstore or go to Amazon and get your copy delivered to you like tomorrow. Amazing. So one of the phenomena that I talk about in the book and that's so important for women is this idea of caloric restriction. And we see this a lot with very low carb diets and women's health. And here's what happens. For most of us, reducing our calories by reducing our carbs, so starches, sugars, even fruit, potatoes, things like that, pasta, anything made with flour or grain, does initially cause us to lose weight, partly because we're dropping our calories, partly because most of us are, who are eating kind of a healthy version even of a regular American diet are getting those carbs in the form of quick things, whole grain bagels, whole grain cereals, pastas, even if it's rice pasta, and then quick foods, like even if they're gluten-free muffins, we're getting them from things that still have a lot of sugar or high calories and don't give us a ton of nutrition behind it. But also, many of us are sensitive to gluten or sensitive to some of the um, components of grain and having those in our diets, particularly when they're in abundance, like they are in even the healthy version of the standard American diet. And they tend to be pretty high in amount in vegan and vegetarian diets because we're leaning on those for our energy sources. That causes inflammation, and inflammation is another way that our body holds on to weight. So you're trying to lose weight, but you're actually either eating the things that, but you're you're getting too much of the things, or eating the things that prevent your body from losing weight. But what happens is we kick those things out, and at first we may get some nice weight loss that first week or two. But then what happens? Okay, here's where that cortisol comes in. Remember I said that the body has this evolutionary programming to be on the lookout for danger. And when it perceives those dangers, it triggers that stress reaction system and kicks out cortisol. Well, here's what happens. One of the dangers that you are most evolutionary wired to be 
picking up on is famine. And when you start to cut your calories too much, when you start to cut out all carbs for some women, then your body perceives that as a danger. And what does it do? Well, it does a number of things. When your body's in danger, it kicks out this cortisol and cortisol's job is to actually make you store fat in case you need it in the future. So everything you eat basically that has calories in it that you don't burn up immediately, your body turns to fat reserves in the form of fat around your belly and then also in in the form of cholesterol and triglycerides, which is how your body socks away energy. It's sort of like that's the money in the bank for your body for the future. That's what it can rely on to pull on when it needs to break down energy and produce more energy for your body. So when you're eating too few calories for your body, you kick in this ancient survival mechanism and instead of losing weight, you gain weight. Cortisol also does some other really stealthy things to make sure that you then start wanting to eat more. So here are some of the things it does. When you start to have overactivated cortisol, it actually makes sugar and carbs and also fatty things and salty, crunchy, fatty things taste especially good. So it's not just like your muffin tastes like your normal muffin. You're like, oh, this is the best muffin I ever ate because I'm starving. You know that feeling like when your blood sugar is low, you know, you've been you've been on the go, you've forgotten to eat and you just can't not grab that muffin no matter how much your brain is saying, you know, or your mind is saying, eat the salad, your more primitive brain is going, I need energy and I need it right now. And you grab the muffin. And then the minute you take that first bite, you're like, right? Because your brain is actually sighing like a sigh of survival relief. So it's the same thing, but it's happening on a chronic basis. So it tastes so good. And your brain makes you crave it because it's quick energy and your brain is going, yo, I'm the most important organ and you are starving me. So I am overriding your resolutions. I am overriding that food journal that you're trying to keep and eat really well and like lose this weight. Nope, not happening. Babe, we're going for the pasta. We're going for the muffin. And it may be the gluten-free kind, but you're still going in for it. Or you're grabbing the sugar or you're grabbing some like chips, you know, salty chips, even if they're the baked kind and sea salt and vinegar, you're still going for the high energy density foods, but they aren't necessarily energy sustaining foods and they don't necessarily have any nutrition with them. It gets even more interesting what starts to happen. So as I said, you put on fat, particularly around your belly. That fat is not just a muffin top that hangs over your jeans if you're still wearing low riders. But what it does is it produces chemicals It produces hormones and it produces inflammatory cells that go all around your brain, all around your body and wind up in your brain and trigger you to crave more fats and sugars and salts. But also it turns off your fullness messages and turns on your hunger messages. So you feel like you can just never eat enough. So it's no wonder So many times when we go on restrictive diets, at first it feels good and at first you're kind of cleaning out a little bit and you're cleaning up a little bit and you're lightening up a little bit, but pretty soon you're really hungry and you're you're feeling like you could just eat anything and then there you go, 
you eat that one muffin or that one pizza or the one pasta or whatever it is that you go for, the Snickers bar or the, you know, Chocolove XOXO almond caramel thing, the organic one. And then you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm off this anyway. Forget it. Here's one more crazy interesting thing that cortisol does to sabotage your best efforts to stick to your diet plans when you're not eating enough calories from good, healthy food or from anything. It blunts your willpower. So cortisol actually gets into, it affects the what's called the frontal cortex, which many of you may have heard of as the seat of executive functioning. So your frontal cortex is the part of your brain where you can consciously make decisions. It's not your primitive part of your brain where you're just reacting and going on instinct. It's the part where you're actually like, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. Or I do want to do that. And I am going to do that. When you are chronically exposed to cortisol, the initial benefits of cortisol, which when you're in a fight or flight situation, turn off your thinking brain and turn on your intuitive reactive brain becomes chronic. And so it actually turns off your willpower. It turns off your ability to choose for yourself And instead, it makes you just react to what's going on. And what your body is saying now is there's a danger, we need more energy. And so it blunts your ability to make those really good choices between what to eat and what not to eat. There's some more interesting things about what happens with our food and why we gain weight when we don't eat enough. Those are some big ones right there. I mean, that impact of stress and cortisol on the brain when your brain's just saying, I'm not getting enough energy is huge. It's enough to make you pack on five or 10 pounds. But then some more stuff starts to happen. Cortisol affects your sleep. And when you're chronically exposed to cortisol from not eating enough, you don't get as good sleep. And when you're not getting as good sleep, you're not detoxifying and eliminating those inflammatory compounds that also make you gain weight and also sabotage your taste and your willpower. Women who aren't sleeping well are apt to be about five pounds heavier than women who are getting a good night's sleep. And when I'm talking about not getting a good night's sleep, I'm talking about even just an hour of sleep lost can really have an impact on your weight. And then also, when we're not eating enough in the evening particularly, and we're not getting enough carbs in our diet, which can happen when people go on really restrictive, for example, autoimmune paleo diets and take out all carbs or go on extremely low high protein diets and take out all carbs, you're particularly susceptible to not sleeping as well and having higher evening cortisol. So you're setting yourself up for this whole cortisol problem and high evening cortisol sets you up for not sleeping well at night. So this sounds just so dastardly, doesn't it? But the the good news is that you don't actually have to be as restrictive to lose weight. And in fact, being less restrictive can make you lose weight way more easily. So, you know, I have patients who come into my office, my practice with their food journals, and they say, Dr. Ram, I'm just hardly eating anything and I can't lose weight and I'm actually gaining weight. And I look at their food journals and it's true. They're eating like, you know, uh, uh, one egg for breakfast and then maybe a half of a paleo bar for snack and then maybe a little bit of salmon on a salad for lunch and then a few almonds for an afternoon snack and then another salad with some 
fish or chicken or meat for dinner, or it's a vegan diet and they're getting a lot of carbs, but not getting a lot of energy in a sustainable form. And it's true, they are gaining weight on these diets. So one of the things we do is kind of go, you know, hit the pause button, screeching halt. Let's look at what your body's asking for. Now, there's one more thing that I want to add in before I forget, because it's super important. And it's kind of part of the heart of what's going on in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, is this adrenal thyroid connection. For those of you who have a hypothyroid or Hashimoto's, um, you know how hard it is to lose weight when your thyroid is slow. Similarly, if you've had Graves' disease and your metabolism is on overdrive, right, it's like pedal to the metal all the time, you know how hard it is to actually keep up your weight or gain weight because you're in the opposite situation. You're burning calories no matter what you're doing. You're constantly burning your body's energy. But if you have Hashis or hypothyroidism, which is the non-immune form of Hashis, sort of more a generic term, you know that no matter what you do, until you get that thyroid back under your grasp, it's really hard to lose weight. Because what happens is when your body thinks it's starving, when your body thinks because that primitive brain gets turned on and says, she's not getting enough energy, she's not getting enough calories, it says we're in an energy crisis. And cortisol from your adrenals sends the message over to your thyroid hormones, yo, she is in an energy crisis and you are the master energy burner of the body. We got to turn the thermostat down to 65 because she can't afford to burn this much fuel. So you get the double whammy or the triple or quadruple whammy here, right? We've got willpower problems. We've got cravings out of control. We've got weight gain around the middle. But if things get triggered for long enough, your body turns down the thermostat and that is your thyroid. So you end up with either short-term or longer-term hypothyroidism. There are some tricky things that can happen that can turn that into Hashimoto's as well just because you're not giving your body enough energy. So what can you do about it? Well, it's actually um, a kind of a simple fix, which is really amazing, is giving your body steady, predictable fuel throughout the day and making sure that even if you do a, a low carb diet for a short time, you don't stay on a low carb diet for more than a couple of weeks, truly, truly, truly. And this works even if you're on autoimmune paleo, even if you're, you need to super restrict your carbs. It's so important because I promise you that when your cortisol is out of control, when you are in this chronic inflammatory state because your cortisol is out of control, your adrenals are out of control, your immune system gets out of control, and you actually end up with more, not less inflammation in the long run. So here's what I recommend. And it's really about eating regularly never letting yourself get too hungry. It's okay to get to where your body's giving you messages that it's time to eat. We don't need to stay full all the time or ever even get completely full, but we want to keep our body from going into that sense that it's in starvation mode. You want to keep your low blood sugar symptoms gone forever. So you should never get to the point where you're so hungry that you're shaky or you can't focus or concentrate or you feel like you could just eat a, you know, an entire box of cereal right now or an entire anything right now that's filled with carbs or sugar or fat. Um, you should never get to where you're sleepy because you're too hungry or you're jittery or irritable or cranky or want to bite someone's head off because you're so hungry. So those are all signs that your blood sugar is getting low too often. If that's happening, you really need to pay attention to this. But also if you've 
trim down your food intake and, you know, the range of your foods to practically nothing and you're eating no carbs and you're still gaining weight, this is for you. And I've seen it work thousands of times. I mean, this is just a tried and true and there's really great medical and scientific literature behind it. Um, My friend Alan Christensen basically dedicated his entire book, The Adrenal Reset, to this idea of carb cycling, where uh, he didn't come up with that term, but he applied it to this cortisol principle, to where you have to keep your blood sugar from ever tanking and making sure that you're actually getting some carbs in the form of whatever you tolerate in modest, moderate portions, and particularly in the evening. So here's how I recommend going about it. One... Always eat within an hour of waking up. Don't let your body get past an hour after you've woken before you've had anything to eat. If you're a coffee drinker, do not drink your morning coffee before you eat. Have your morning coffee with your meal or after your meal, but don't go for the coffee on the empty stomach because one, it'll blunt your appetite, but two, it'll jack up this response. And for many women, it actually makes your blood sugar drop and it makes you more hungry and more apt to go for the sweet thing. I mean, think about what they sell at places like Starbucks. It's mostly sugar, carbs, and coffee drinks, right? That's kind of the natural way that we blunt that sugar drop is to have sugar with it. Another way to do it is to actually put some fat in your coffee. So, you know, this is what Dave Asprey has just been singing to the, you know, singing off the mountain about with his bulletproof coffee. Um, I don't necessarily recommend the whole bulletproof model and I don't recommend coffee as a regular necessarily daily habit either. And we talk about, we'll talk more about that in a future podcast and I talk about it in the book. But if you are going to have coffee, have it with your meal and have some high fat either in your coffee, a couple of teaspoons of really good quality uh, coconut oil or have a fatty meal, have some fats with your breakfast. So have, if you're um, a vegan, have some vegetables that are sauteed in coconut oil or olive oil. If you're a vegetarian, have some eggs or uh, if you eat tofu at Tofu Scramble, cook it in some olive oil and some coconut oil. Let's not get into the whole soy thing right now. We can talk about that in another podcast too, but just let's say it can be an important source for vegetarians who are limited in their protein. And if that's the case for you, I wouldn't be shy about having it once in a while. Just make sure it's organic because if it's organic, it's non-GMO. And that's really, really important. If you have Hashimoto's, soy may or may not be the best thing for you. We'll talk about that in the future. And I do talk about that at length in the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, my new book. Um, Okay. So breakfast within an hour of waking up, every meal of your day has to include a good quality protein, a good quality source of fat. So really like one tablespoon of fat with each meal. I promise you, you will not gain weight. Look, I'm the slimmest one in my family. My entire, every woman in my family has struggled with weight and I eat like this and I'm trim and that never varies. My weight really doesn't vary by more than a couple of pounds ever. And I stay fit and I stay healthy. And you would be shocked at how much I actually eat. And I include a lot of coconut oil, a lot of olive oil in my diet and avocados as well. And I I eat butter too, actually. I love butter, butter and and sauteed garlic or sauteed onions. Mm. So it's, you know, we're not going to talk about what your diet preferences are here. If you're vegan, modify. If you're vegetarian, modify. If you're paleo, modify, obviously. 
Nuts are another good source of fat that you can include in a meal, so a nut butter. So each meal, good quality fat, good quality protein, and some vegetables. We undereat vegetables, and the fibers in vegetables are so important for maintaining your digestive health, your detoxification, and your blood sugar as well. Carbs. I don't recommend having a carb at breakfast, but if you do, have a half a portion. So a portion would be a piece of toast, have a half a piece of toast. Don't have any sweet carbs for breakfast ever. So no cereals, granolas, energy bars that are sweet, muffins, pancakes with maple syrup, even if they're paleo pancakes, they're still going to tank your blood sugar two hours later or an hour later, leaving you hungry and leaving your brain saying, well, what's going on? We got to send out the fire department. The fire department is your cortisol production. You want to eat, depending on your metabolism, anywhere from every three to four hours. I really recommend for women... If you're not pregnant and you're not breastfeeding, make sure that you're at least eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I usually recommend an afternoon snack of some nuts. That's a great time for a protein shake or smoothie, a green drink, or something that has protein if you feel like your energy is really lagging, a hard-boiled egg, some hummus with vegetables, something like that to um, help with that afternoon. We all have a slight afternoon natural wane in our energy. Usually getting up and walking around and hydrating really well is a great solution for that. But if you need something, instead of grabbing for some sugar or more caffeine, grab for something that's high protein, high fat. And that is a great time if you're going to indulge in some chocolate, which I consider personally dark chocolate to be a food group. That's a great time, you know, somewhere between three and four in the afternoon for a couple of squares of dark chocolate, about 72% or more. Lunch, similar to breakfast, except if you need carbs more, if you find that you're really low energy, if you find that you're gaining weight no matter what you're eating or no matter how little you're eating, that's a great time to add in one portion of a carb. So breakfast, none or half a portion. Lunch, one portion. What would be a healthy carb for lunch? If you tolerate grain... Then, and when I say tolerate grain, you, you're not struggling with autoimmune symptoms or other health symptoms or gas and bloating or dysbiosis or SIBO when you eat grain, which I talk about in the book, how to deal with, and I have blogs on this, and we'll do more, more future podcasts on these various topics. If you tolerate grain, then this is a great time to have a half a cup of cooked quinoa, uh, a red or pink or black rice, which is truly actually a seed, brown rice, millet. It's okay to do that. And you, you will actually find that you're probably calmer and more satisfied. If you don't tolerate grain, have a half a sweet potato, a portion of winter squash, or even some white potatoes that you've baked or roasted cooled down to room temperature. The tricky part is not throwing a bunch of junk, you know, a, a dollop of sour cream on your potatoes. That's where the calories will come in. But when you eat white potatoes cooled down to room temperature, they actually create a resistant starch, which actually helps with weight loss and is great for your microbiome. Other sources that you can include if you tolerate them are legumes. So if you think about lentils or garbanzo beans, for example, they actually have carbs in them. They're not just 
protein. They actually have starch in them that can help satisfy this energy need. And studies have shown that women who eat even just a couple or a few servings of legumes a week lose more weight than women who don't. And then finally for dinner, that's where you can increase your carbs a little bit to include one or two servings depending on your metabolism and how well you tolerate them. That's a great time to either have half or one cup of a cooked grain, as I mentioned, for lunch, or instead have a half a cup of cooked grain and one of the energy vegetable starches I mentioned, like the sweet potatoes or the squash or the uh, room temperature cooled potatoes or a legume. So this is a really great way to reset your cortisol normalize your digestion, give your body what it needs and tell your brain that you're actually getting enough so it can calm down the four alarm fire that it's been setting out. Now I mentioned not waiting more than an hour to eat when you get up. The final rule kind of that I'm saying with air quotations here, I'm literally doing the air quotations. If you could see me, you'd see that I'm doing the air quotations because I talk with my hands. I'm just like a New Yorker. I talk with my hands even when I'm on on audio. But the last and final important thing is to do the best you can to not eat within three hours of going to bed. What the studies show is that eating some form of carb or starch that's healthy, remember we're not talking white rice or white pasta or, you know, junky carbs, processed flour here, we're talking about a healthy whole form of a carb, within five hours of going to bed, does this wonderful job of helping to reset your cortisol, help you get better sleep. You're going to lose weight because your cortisol is reset or you're going to normalize your weight and you're not going to have the problems that women have when we don't get enough sleep. When we're tired the next day, what's the first thing we're craving? Sugar, fat, carbs, and coffee. So this this simple way of sort of scheduling your food in on a regular basis, feeding your brain, feed your head, right? No, Grace Slick said, feed your head. This is the, like the healthy way of doing that. I'm not going to sing that for you. But not eating within three hours of bed is also really important for regulating this. If you work night shifts, do the same thing, but follow it through the night shift. You're basically just doing the exact same thing, but you're flipping the schedule. So when you wake up for night shift, that's your breakfast time. Middle of the night, that's your lunch time. End of the night, that's your evening time. But you want to flip flip the script so that you're still keeping as regular as you can. It's much harder. Studies done on night nursing, for example, um, much higher rates of obesity, metabolic problems and even some immune system problems because of this metabolic dysregulation that happens when we're not properly, as my friend Alan says, cycling our carbs. So I'm not saying that what I said today is Alan's way of doing it. This is my plan. Read Alan's book also. Get my book. They're really super complimentary to each other. But this is a really important step toward, for one, kind of stepping out of fad diets and stepping out of extremism and stepping out of restriction and actually enjoying your food again. I think one of the things that I really worry about for us as women is that we get so restrictive around our food that we actually feel anxious when we're eating. We're not even enjoying it anymore. We're like, is this the right grain? Is this the wrong grain? Is this going to cause me a symptom? Is this bad for my SIBO? Is this bad for my candida? I talk about how to heal all of those many different gut problems in the book. And I talk about how to really heal your immune system. And this is one of the most important things. Aside from getting good sleep and talking nicely and kindly to ourselves, this way of eating is so critical. So I hope 
that this podcast has helped you and given you a really solid way to get going on how to eat to reset your cortisol, how to eat to establish healthy rhythms. And if you're trying to lose weight and reach that healthy weight for you, this is the first step to doing it. You can take the amounts of portions I've recommended and, you know, If you don't want a whole portion at lunch, try a half a portion. If two portions at dinner is too much for you, go down to one portion. But include those portions of grain or healthy energy carb in your diet if you can. And let me know. Write to me. I'm at aviva at avivaram.com. Write to me. Tell me how it works for you. I want to hear your stories. And make sure that if this has been helpful or at least interesting, intriguing, or controversial and has gotten your back up, Drop a comment over in the comment section. Give me a like, give me a share. And please, if you're interested in learning more and taking back your health in simple ways that are within your hands and can really make a difference, small shifts that make big changes, get my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, over at avivaram.com forward slash book bonus. There are all kinds of amazing goodies and gifts for you over there. A cookbook, a 28-day self-care book of stuff that I couldn't get into the book because it already had so many words in it. And then some really fun extra special things. And if you want to just grab the free chapter, you can do that right now over at avivaram.com forward slash free chapter. Hey, live your best week until I talk to you next. I can't wait to share with you again and have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.